Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that connects you to cyclists all over the world and makes indoor training fun. There are structured workouts, training plans that are really easy to follow, online group rides, and why not try a few races? You can also organize a meetup with a bunch of friends. You might just have to make your own coffee at the end. With Zwift, you can even listen to this podcast while you ride around the Champs-Élysées. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Right on. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, it's a double header today. I've got Gracie and Bridie. How are you both? Bonjour, Christophe. Very good. We're at a very glamorous location, a uh, service station. Don't Two reveal hours it from Paris. straight away. <laughs> Don't reveal it straight away. <laughs> but we have done our share of service station. You have done your share of service station as well, Bridie. I have, and I feel I've had some amazing meals at service stations. Sometimes you can pick up a beautiful salad. The coffee is always welcome, and sometimes cold mineral water just makes you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not going to complain about this, you know. Uh, right, time trial. That was the day of the time trial. Uh, Gracie, you picked a winner today in our competition, or not? Did you? <laughs> almost. I almost, almost picked the picked winner. winner. I picked Vinegar, but unfortunately, our camera guy, Edo, picked Van Art. I've been picking Van Art whenever I can. He's just, <laughs> you know, the man that can do it all. But today, I was like, nah, he's done too much. He's put himself in the massive hole the last two days. And, you know, this time trial of Vinegar's name written all over it. But he lost a lot of time in that from that yeah. last checkpoint. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be within seconds, but Van Aert took a very convincing win today. So, Bridie, you, you saw the course as we drove in. Uh, it wasn't an easy course at all. It was beautiful. Settings were beautiful, but the route itself was bumpy and hilly towards the end. It, it had so many corners in it too, twists and turns, so it made for very scenic viewing, but uh, it meant that the riders could really never get into a rhythm. Um, saying that, and, and thinking of how tired they all were, the winner averaged 53 kilometres an hour. So it just shows you the world-class riders that race in the Tour de France and why they're winning the Tour de France. Um, so it was challenging for those that didn't feel sort of you know, connected and committed to performing well. But for those that were motivated, particularly the TT specialists and the GC riders, you could see how fast they were moving. Yeah, and that route as well, the, the number of people from halfway point where we joined the course uh, was astonishing for a time trial to see in the middle of the countryside, let's say, it was in the middle of the, the countryside for, for most of it, it was full, the roads were full. Yeah, particularly in Grandma, the sort of half to halfway yeah. point, people lining each side of that roundabout just really to see a motorbike and then a rider roar through at 50k an hour. <laughs> so your value for no money is still pretty good. Um, Gracie, are you impressed by Wood Van Aert? I think you just said it in a few words, but uh, what can the man do more to become more successful? Well, he just it gets better every year by the look of it. Uh, there's a bit of a conversation within our crew about whether he could potentially go for GC one day, and that, I think that's a big question mark. What's your opinion on this, actually? Oh, look, I think he's going to try. I don't know if he can win the Tour in the future, but I think that they might give it a try. So that'll be really interesting. He'll probably have to lose a little bit of body mass. In, he's, he carries a lot of muscle, and I think that would take away 
from you know being able to compete on those high mountain passes but he's he's an incredible athlete super entertaining uh he's got some good rivalries too which is important he's not just clearly head and shoulders above the rest it was actually unfortunate to see Matthew Vanderpol not being competitive at the tour because I love when they go head to head so uh hopefully we can see that again in the not too distant future but for Van Aert he's he's been fun to watch but should he target the tour or should he target uh, another one like the Giro or potentially the Vuelta to start with as a as a GC sort of Uh, leader? I think you should start with a even uh, shorter race like the Dauphiné. I think that would be really interesting to see him try and tackle GC over uh, a week or 10 day period and that would be a really good test especially in some of those bigger races like the Dauphiné with leading into a Tour de France everyone's coming into form. I think that would be a good strategy to go forward with for him. What's your opinion Bridie on this one? Um, I know the Tour de France is the greatest bike race in the world, but not every rider needs to have that as, as his or her priority. I think that there's, when looking at the capabilities of riders, and we saw that with, with Vanderpool as well, both he and Wout Van Aert, even Pidcock, whilst they um, they could target it, and Pidcock is certainly physically more suited to be a Grand Tour rider, they've got other priorities and they want to win other things, and, and young riders often do that. We've seen that with Mariana Voss and Lucinda Brand as well. You know, They want to win in cyclocross or compete across other um, disciplines. So I actually think it's more exciting for the race to have people who aren't all specialising in the same thing. It keeps everything mm-hmm. fresh and animated. And we've seen it with Bogaccia as well, kind of throwing the script out. Who says a sprint stage should look like a sprint stage or that you shouldn't attack when you're coming second, all of those things. But Van Aert, and I'll just be the devil's advocate here, is he not too old to switch to a, to a GC? He's 27 and it pings and it pinches to, to say this, but Vingegaard, Uh, Pogacar, they're younger than him, 25, 23, uh, and they're dominating the sport right now. Is it not too late for Van Aert to transform itself? Uh, it could, I suppose it could be. I think we all saw the toll that it took on someone like Wiggins, and, and to Gracie's point about changing his body shape and his training, he, he would have to lose a fair bit of weight. And there gets a point where you've got the DNA that you picked from your parents, you've got your muscle mass that you've grown over your teens, um, and then you're trying to actually absolutely calorifically restrict yourself. That's not great for performance. It could be not great for morale. Um, anyone who's ever tried to lose weight as an athlete, even for performance reasons, it's brutal. And then you're trying to test yourself every day in training. So I'm not sure it would make him very happy. And he seems like a pretty um, a rider that rides on emotion and confidence. So I think it'd be interesting. I'm, I'm not recommending everyone tries to win the tour. <laughs> I think it's more exciting when he wins three stages. And don't fix what ain't broke, hey? Exactly. <laughs> He's a Swiss Army um, Let's talk about the, the GC now and the battle at the, at the top of the classification. Uh, Vingegaard wins this one because he's ahead of, uh, of Pogacar. Does that really matter? No, I think that it was just... It, unless something bad happened in the, the time trial today, it was he was going to walk away with GC. So I was really hoping that we wouldn't see a mechanical or a crash because you don't really want to see GC changed because of those reasons. It was a fair and square race this year. They showed exceptional... Uh, physiological performances but better than that they showed really beautiful sportsmanship and that was one of my highlights for this year's tour was the rivalry but also the respect that all the athletes particularly those two riders had for each other yeah and Bridie what uh, what do you think about yeah, this question of, of, of the time trial today it's of course not changing the GC but is, is mentally Vingegaard putting another blow to Bogacar at all or does it does it even matter 
I think it did put a blow to him, and it's something we discussed in commentary. Simon's um, reflection was that this will come, this will make UAE team Emirates come away from this Tour de France with a lot of questions and need to have a debrief. And they should. They should say, what could we have done differently? What what roster could we have brought to this race? Um, how could we have approached his first week and a half to two weeks differently? Um, what things could they have done technically around the bikes, the fans, the cool down areas? They, it was all modelled right next to them by Jumbo Visma. So there's there's ways there they could look at addressing things and changing up what they did. Recruitment as well. Should they should they look at the recruitment and change the 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 yeah the team itself? I don't think they need to change their bike sponsor or any other equipment there. I do think this has been a massive learning experience, or as some people say, a teachable moment for Tadej Pogacar. He suddenly realised that just behaving like a 16-year-old and attacking the bejesus out of the race actually didn't beat a, a calculating, organised, pragmatic team who had domestics like Watt Van Aert. He needed to do it differently. And he might reflect and think, if I hadn't have tried to go for all of those bonus seconds, attack on stage five to get away, uh, sprint up over the planche de Belfi, if I hadn't have done all of those things, could I be wearing that yellow jersey? I've got a question for you, Bridie. Do you think that Jumbo Visma is the new Team Sky or have they done it differently as an organised unit? I think they've done it differently because they don't ride like the Team Sky bots that people were critical of in terms of control of the race. Um, But they do a lot of the things off the bike very differently and they embrace science and they embrace nutrition and the approach to the riders and there seems to be a very high morale. I mean, it's easy to say that when you look at them as a team because they've won six stages and they've won the yellow, the green and the polka dot jersey and the most combative. Mm. In fact, they've won pretty much everything. Um, but that to me seems genuine, that morale and camaraderie that they have for each other. But the road for them to be there as well because they are the, they're the new version of Rabobank and this team have, have evolved but never won uh, the Tour de France. But this time, I mean, there's still Paris to come, but they have now. But it's been so many years in the making for them to reach that point so the relief must be enormous but the work that went is not it's not an overnight success no no it's been years and i agree it's a good question gracie the idea that um we could argue that for sky a lot of it was just about they had the most money and they bought the best riders but i think what we're seeing here is the additional steps that clearly are very systematic about their roster we were looking at their the team roster last night to think wow these are the guys that aren't in this team listing guys like Kern Bowman who won two stages of the Giro and Affini and you know so many riders on that Jumbo Visma roster who aren't here Rowan Dennis didn't get selected for this Tour de France so they've got so many options and that for me uh, keeps everyone feeling competitive as well about getting on the team for the Tour and Gracie six stages for for the outfit Uh, that's just a a very large number and you're right it's numbers we we used to see with previous teams but the dominance is clear it is and I think that they put more pressure on themselves when they were articulating that they didn't want to just go for the yellow jersey but also the green jersey and there was a lot of conversation throughout the whole tour whether Van if that if that was the right thing to do with using Van Art in so many different ways and they still pulled it off it's incredibly impressive for just that one individual rider but as a team as Bridie was saying they were still quite um strict on how they they raced and they were they had some really good control there and it's just really interesting to see them pull it all off really (laughs) Uh, 
the question I think now, a natural journalistic question is, will we see Roglic back at the Tour right now? Because he's, he's tried and failed many times to be the leader that would win that Tour de France for Jumbo. Um, he, uh, yeah, let's say this year he hasn't had a good Tour, he had to, he had to exit early. Uh, do you think we will see him back in that position, trying to win it as well again for Jumbo? Or, or he, now he's definitely the king of the Vuelta and maybe he will try the, the Giro? It does depend on, you know, the next few years of their signings as well and and how they want to manage Vinegar. Like, he's obviously head and shoulders above everyone at this year's Tour de France, um, even against Pogacar. So that was his time in the sun right now, and I'm not sure how that long that is going to last, but you can't imagine that Jumbo Visma is going to swap back to Roglic now and mm -hmm. I think that they're just going to support Vinegar going forward depending on how long he stays with the team he might get poached by somebody else eventually but in terms of Roglic it, it's up to him and his mentality it takes a lot of mental effort not just physical effort to prepare for a tour and to fail it's really tough to do that over and over again so it's really a question of whether he wants to or mm -hmm. not yeah I wouldn't pick Roglic for the team for the Tour de France next year I don't think he knows how to be a domestique he's never needed to be one and he's not very good at it he shouldn't be I think he should focus on the Giro and the Welter he signed with them until 2025 so unless he has someone buys him out uh, and then he'll be older and I think it'll be more about them picking which Grand Tours they want to win so I, I wouldn't pick him next year yeah okay that's an interesting comment uh, just, I, I like that actually because uh, it, 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 it makes sense It'd be hard for him, even mentally, to switch back to, to that position when he was the wonder boy for so long. He was the guy that was going to win it for them. Uh, and in the end, he's not. And they don't. They have a strong and positive culture in this team, but we all saw what happened when Wiggins and Froome both thought they were the team leaders of that team. And, and that was poor management, not, not poor behaviour by the riders. If you've got a manager saying, no, you're the best, no, you're the best, and never really sitting them all down in a room and saying, listen, the plan's changed, we're going to ride now for Christoph, and I've promised Gracie that we're riding for her, no wonder she's going to be frustrated every day. And there were rumours around the fact that Wiggins was threatening to leave the tour that year. And he went on to win the time trial at the Olympics. He won the final stage time trial that year in 2012 but it totally ruined those bad blood forever then yeah the Aussies as well can we uh, have a quick look at what's happened there uh, of course Caleb one was never going to be uh, his day in the sun for today uh, it's, it should be uh, happening tomorrow in Paris but um, what where are the others as well Schulz and so on where are they well I think Caleb's actually wrapped up the uh, Lantern Rouge so I think he has managed to get that that award for the year so there's a, actually and, and uh jumping uh pipa york had a very good tweet the, this morning will a lantern rouge as everyone in paris that's a big question and i'm not sure the answer we'll see that's about <laughs> to find out tomorrow but that's a different subject what i've been another of my highlights this year is seeing some of these fresh faces the debutantes coming to the tour. Nick Schultz, I think, was one of my favourite performances when he was second in Mejev. I was there on the finish line while everyone waited in silence for a couple of minutes to hear that result of that photo finish. And I know what that feels like. I know what that mm -hmm. moment feels like. But to be standing there with him and to get that first interview of disappointment, it was really tough for him. Um, but I think that even in a few day, within a few days he had some hindsight and he was really proud of himself. Watching the, the massive smile from Chris Hamilton was always a highlight of every day because he would just lift the yeah. mood. He just was so happy to be at the tour, but he was performing he, he's really like well. He's, you know, he's like a quoker. He's always <laughs> yeah. smiling. 
No, he, been a jinx. <laughs> yeah, even when he was suffering, he was smiling. But he did a really good job in the mountains, especially supporting by day. And then yesterday we saw him on the front for 130k on the flat, just pulling. So he's a really strong bike rider. He's got a huge future ahead, potentially a GC rider, as well as Nick. I think he could maybe go for a GC in the future. But uh, Bridie, do you have any standout Aussies that you'd like to talk about? I think um, Bling's stage win, Michael Matthews um, winning up in that stage to Mond and the way that he did it was really mm-hmm. astounding and you could see how relieved and satisfied he was. I think um, this Tour de France has been overwhelming in that stage winners have been people whose stories we've really fallen in love with, whether it was Yves Lampard on stage one or Hugo Hull um, or Michael Matthews, where you feel really emotionally connected to because of their commitment, even Laporte yesterday. So um, Matthews winning in the style that he did the fight that he delivered was really impressive but to parallel Gracie's comments about Chris Hamilton um, I was so impressed with Michael Storer you know he has been amazing Gadoo's finished fourth place and that team has been rock solid around him all eight of them still here no COVID no injuries um, touch wood Um, but also riding around him in the mountains being in that break on the long on on that long day in stage 17 working for him each day Storer's been really impressive so that's been a great ride by him we're missing one Simon Clark. Sorry, I was talking about the five that we've talked about the five that are in the race still. But yeah, absolutely. And Durbo, we've seen yeah. great performances from him. But yeah, Clark's victory was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, before we talk about the the women's race, uh, which is uh, about to start as well, let's talk photography. And photography is so important for cycling. And I am with probably the best of them, Beardy McCready. How are you, Beardy? I'm great, thank you. It's good, good intro, but I really actually do love your work, what you do, and I follow you on Instagram. It's just amazing. How do you capture this emotion, cyclist after cyclist after cyclist? Uh, it's not easy, that's for sure. Like We're lucky to beat this amazing race where the riders put so much into it and we're in such a beautiful landscape, so that helps a lot with the photography. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's just being in the right spot, being able to like read the race a little bit and, and know where you need to be. Um, to capture the, the maximum emotion and, and what's really going on in, with each of the riders coming past. What makes sport such a different and, and such a topical subject when you want to show emotion? Because it's, it's difficult. We know it's, it's one of the toughest sports around cyclist, uh, cycling. But um, what, what, how do you capture this, these emotions? Well, I think it's the riders put so much into it. Like some of the the training that has to be done you know the the danger of actually doing the sport in the first place the descending in the the bunch all this sort of stuff that they do i think that they're just so committed to it and i think that really comes across when you when you really capture the faces of the riders and you can see that they really put everything their their life on the line for this sport so i think it it just it just reads out in the faces of the riders what's in the life of a sport photographer or a cycling photographer i mean give give us a bit of a hint of how, how your life is because it, it sounds glamorous but you and i we know hotels are not all glamorous the the dinners are not all glamorous it's not all glamorous behind the scenes <laughs> it's far from glamorous yeah uh it's a great way to travel but not see anything except the race um a lot of the the time that you're not around the race is really just you know you're hurrying from place to place um you know you stay in a hotel you grab your stuff and you're out the door early the next morning um it it, it is a tough job there's no doubt about that and and the the fact that there's deadlines every day you need to get your images done there's patchy internet um you know you've got it you're in a field and there's nowhere to charge your laptop and and there's there's a lot of different difficulties in in doing this job but yeah that 
sort of makes the challenge makes it more rewarding when you get the images and you think wow you know if people really knew that you'd driven you know five hours today and you'd stayed in a crappy hotel and all the things that you'd put up with to get these images they really they're all the more important for it i think as social media changed the game completely as it changed the whole landscape and i guess for you it's probably opened up new possibilities as well It's totally changed the game, yeah. The amount of photographers that would have come in in the last, say, 10 years because of social media. And um, there's a lot more photographers um, accessing the race the way we do. Like we drive around in a car and we can see the race maybe maximum three times a day. Um, so you really need to make your, your spots count. Um, before social media, I think most of the imagery came from a couple of key players, you know, Graham Watson being probably the most well-known of those. And um, they were all on motorbikes and there just wasn't really the, the hunger for imagery and daily imagery like there is now. Now all the teams have social media accounts that, that and the thirst for, for endless images is just to a level where we need more and more photographers and shooting in uh, different ways, different styles to sort of differentiate themselves from, from what the agencies are doing. So what drove the little Marcus, because that's your real name, to become beardy, so grew this amazing beard, uh, but also want to follow that path, follow that career? Uh, I think that, well, the idea of the beard was when I started getting um, serious into road cycling and um, I started up on Strava and stuff like that, and I wanted something that kind of differentiated myself from the crowd. So I thought, oh, yeah, you know, road cycling. Beards weren't a weren't very popular at the time um, you know we're going back close to 10 years now and um, and so when I was out on the bike people would see me with a beard and they'd be like oh that's a bearded guy and then they'd, people would be like oh are you Beardy McBeard on Strava and I was like yeah it's me and and so from that I thought oh well I'll continue and I'll use this as my handle for my Instagram account when I started that up and yeah it just grew to the point where I, I'm never be able to shave my beard off. <laughs> do you have a little soft spot for someone like Getchke, for example, who is riding in this heat with a beard? I do, I do. I always give him a bit of a nod and send him some pics when I get the chance. But yeah, he, there's, a, there's very few beards in the peloton for that exact reason. <laughs> and last question, what's been your, it's not finished, we're towards the end though, what would be your highlights so far in this 2022 uh, affair? Um, Well, the cobblestones are always amazing. It was a hectic day for me and I got some really lovely images and I was super happy. Um, but also when we passed into Switzerland, there was some amazing imagery to had there. And then I got a shot on the descent there. We're just watching the riders go down and just in total admiration of the, the skill and commitment that they have to pushing their, their selves to the limit. And some of those, I feel like some of those shots sort of show that. So, yeah, they really stand out. Do you know straight away when you get a shot? Like when you push the button, do you know, yeah, this one's going to just be just amazing or this is a, this is like money time yeah we call that a banger yeah when you know when you got a banger cool thank you my pleasure now let's talk about the uh, tour de france fam avec zwift which is about to start uh, gracie we had a little chat in the car and i just want you to uh, reiterate this chat um how are you feeling about this tour de france starting and would covid not being a thing would you be do you think you would have been lining up for that that race Well, yeah, I, I retired at the end of 2020 on my own terms. COVID was a catalyst, but not the main reason. And uh, when I see huge events like this come just after retiring, it's tough. And uh, watching Paris-Roubaix was really, that, that stung a lot and it was quite emotional. And I've been talking about the Tour de France Femme for six months now, doing interviews, talking it up, getting excited. But it wasn't until the last few days that the emotion has hit me. So I think that tomorrow when that, that first whistle blows for them to 
start stage one, I'm going to be pretty emotional and it's going to hurt that I'm not there lining up with them. I grew up watching the Tour de France. I I tuned into the SBS highlights with my dad every day for years and yeah, I I wish I was on that star line, but the next best thing is being here with you guys (laughs) and to share the stories. No, I'm having a great time, but yeah, it's, it hurts. I'm not going to lie. It hurts. I yeah. wish I was there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Brady, how significant it is for a moment in time? We, we talked about it for years now because it's been pushed uh, push back, as we just mentioned. But we're just about to turn a, turn a page in women's cycling. Is it a new era starting now with the women's tour, the, 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 the French tour, uh, sorry, the tour de France? I feel like the new era started about five to ten years ago. But what we're going to see from tomorrow is the eyes of the world on these riders and when I think of the new era what I mean is women like Gracie who've literally been riding and racing their whole lives as opposed to what we saw a bit of talent transfer or outliers or very unusual talented women that were off you know already so disparate because they were so um, remarkable whereas now we have a whole generation of women who've grown up racing as girls and now women um, who've come from families that are completely supportive of that. Um, We've got way better supportive infrastructure in teams. Um, Women are getting paid. Uh, Teams are celebrating the performances of the women athletes in the same way that they do their men. So when you look at a team like Trek Segafredo and they're celebrating Mads Pedersen and Elisa Longo-Borghini in their campaign, you, you see, say to yourself, they value these athletes same the same, same kit, same bike sponsor. Yeah. That for me is a real shift in this last few years. Um, but one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is how wonderful it's going to be on the start line tomorrow to watch these women, but that women have been racing this hard, this competitively. They've been trying to represent their country at Worlds and Olympics, and they've been trying to get better contracts in teams for decades. So this is not the start mm-hmm. of the story. This is, as you say, it's a, se- it's a second or a third chapter perhaps. But what it does is it makes it a completely viable path for some girls to say, I want to be a professional bike rider. Uh, I want to be throwing my arms in the air on the Champs-Élysées or be the, f- the first woman at the top of the Planche de Belfie. And that is a realistic sporting dream for them. What about the impact? Because we're talking about the now. Okay, but what about the, the impact in the future? You mentioned, Gracie, that you grew up watching the highlights of the Tour de France. It was the men's, of course, Tour de France. But what are we, are we already focusing or understanding the impact this could have on young girls that are six, seven, eight, that are learning to, to handle their bike as good as they can, but now they can dream their own dream? Definitely. Amanda Spratt had a beautiful post on Instagram a day or two ago and one of the lines was, "I had, all my role models were men because that was they were the only ones I was seeing on TV and in the magazines and I completely resonated with that statement. That was how I felt too and being asked over the last 10 years, who was your role model? It was a really difficult question to answer because I didn't have female role models and now that we're seeing more females in the media, on TV full race coverage for some races now it's like a whole game changer and there's so many young girls and boys that are watching women's sport and women's cycling and that is just it's invaluable I can't even put a value on that it's not about sponsors it's not about teams making money or broadcasters making money it's about people it's about people getting outside getting excited having hope having dreams and also, and I want to finish on this as well, we've seen it across all the stages. We, you and I have seen the number of kids we saw 
on the side of the road with eyes open up like this or on their bike trying to tackle Otakam. Uh, this is really the future of cycling and I think if you haven't been here, you haven't witnessed this, uh, you may not understand how powerful cycling is in Europe. I've had my camera out every day and I've been... <laughs> so many I, champions. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to take photos of all the kids. Of course, it's not appropriate to do that. Sometimes I get it if their face is not in it. But From the back, it's that, okay. <laughs> It's been awesome to see so many kids in their little World Champs jerseys and their Jumbo Visma jerseys and their little caps and they're just excited and they want to... They, they clap for our car coming through. Yeah. They don't even know who we are. <laughs> and we're giving them waves and they're excited and it's, it's brilliant. So for them to watch women racing too it's it's not even about what I was saying it's not about them having a goal to be an athlete or to to do that as well it's about them just being a fan it's about them just being part of something that's normal it's it's normal to see female professionals it's not a novelty it's not a sideshow it's just another race to watch yeah absolutely when we were driving down the Hordecam, I saw this little girl on her bike and she had long braids, one on each side, and she had them tucked into her pockets <laughs> so they weren't going to get in the way. They were so long. She looked like, you know, Rapunzel on a bike. But um, she was ferocious. She was like out of the saddle, sprinting in a world championship jersey. And absolutely that. that I've never seen so many young girls riding bikes and the motivation that they would see Elisa um, Balsamo in that jersey and think, that could be me one day. Or just riding everywhere, riding to work, to school, to university, to cafes. We see that so much. We saw it in Denmark, didn't we? So um, it is absolutely life-changing what sport and cycling has done for me. It's changed my entire outlook and my opportunities for work and for ambition and for what I view as success and failure. And I want everyone to be able to experience those sorts of opportunities and to understand what it means to be disappointed and not get what you want and keep fighting. All of the things that we learn from sport that really grow your character and your resilience that for me is the most important thing for girls and women yeah absolutely I just want to add one more thing to this I want to say Ryder you're one of my role models because <laughs> it's really cool to have women in broadcasting as well okay cool shall we get a hug thank you for joining uh, us on, on the podcast thank you thank you to both of you and there's so much more positivity co to come around for the whole week because we'll be here in the podcast for the for the whole week thank you for coming <laughs> this was the uh, Zwift SBS cycling podcast before we uh, leave let me remind you that you can uh, download stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website sbs.com.au slash sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift until next time same place same time tomorrow it's bye for now now that we've finished talking about cycling, for today at least, let's do a little riding ourselves because the fun never stops on Zwift. Training solo at home gets old real quick, but with Zwift group rides, events and races, you'll have plenty of people to ride and chat with to keep you motivated. Plus, it's got great built-in training programs tailored for every ability. There are even workouts that can be squeezed into 20 minutes if you're really stuck for time. On Zwift, traffic lights, stop signs, busy roads, bad weather, they all disappear. And each interval has the watts and rest periods dialed in for the perfect training conditions. To start riding and discover how Zwift makes indoor training fun, head to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. Thanks for watching or listening while you're riding on Zwift. Ride on.